entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Turn the music up, turn me down. Google. Let's go get him again. This time is for the money, my nigga. Ha ha, yeah. Brooklyn, stand ha, ha. up. Yeah. It's TBD. We back in the building. We're going to stay in the building. Because it's about 99 outside. <laughs> Like, yeah, we got heat on, we got hoodies on right now. Like, niggas got central air, air for the first time. So, like, yeah, I'm a thank you. My thing on 66. I don't know what you're doing on, but look, but you're 65. <laughs> I box, I box where the heart used to be, type shit. Because it's the type of hot outside that make niggas do wild shit, like say Phil Jackson randomly racist and all types of wild shit going on. Which, like, I don't even want to get into Scotty because. Like my man's called him like his name's Scott now. You know what I mean? Ew. Like I get it. You dropping a book. You making a bourbon. You dropping bourbon and shit. I, I get it. But my thing is the the book don't come out till fucking November, bro. I'm not trying to hear you say random wild shit for the foreseeable future. Or clout. Like at least give me something tangible, something crazy. Like you know what I mean. Bro, and nobody, bro, nobody's believing that Phil Jackson is like racist. Like that's just you've never heard. There's never been any inclinations of that. He's had a great relationship with Kobe, Shaq, like, and you've never heard any of that shit. So like, you can't. You there's no way you're the only person that's fucking solid. No, it way. just it's it's weird to me. Like, I'm not going to say like whether I think he is or not because I don't know him. Like for all we know. That might be. But we would have heard something right or wrong. Yeah. Given the people who played with that roster, who've played with that guy, there's a long list of people who are a little thrown off, like namely Dennis Rodman. I would assume that if anything (laughs) racial was popping off around Dennis Rodman, I would assume that he would say something about it. Easily. (laughs) I mean, but like that's years ago. Like it was, it's like years ago, different era, like. Like them old heads be tripping. You know what I mean? Like, like growing up, my pop would always say, like, yo, Pippin be tripping. Like, you know what I mean? You tripping like Pippin right now. And it was a it was a funny little coin thing, but now I see what they was talking about. Cause he's saying wild shit. Your guy Vince Carter out here. I don't know if it was a wild statement, but it was an interesting one. I mean, I don't know, man. It was a little wild, but I mean, what Vince proceeded to say on Get Up just a few weeks ago, um, I actually, I think it was last week, but Vince Carter said that he doesn't think today's NBA players could have adjusted to the style of play in the late 90s the way that players of that era could have adjusted to today's game. And I don't know how you feel about that, bro, but, like, for me, I think it's the opposite way. Like, I don't think guys like Carl Malone will be able to expand their game and expand their range to be able to, to be a Paul Millsap type of player um, who can, you know, play in the post, but, but can also stretch the floor. Like, I don't think those guys can adjust to the way that they call defense nowadays and the way that they call flagrant fouls nowadays, because a lot of those guys would be ejected 
and a lot of those guys would have would have an abundance of fouls because of the hand checking rule. So for me personally, I just think that it would be a totally different game and it would be a far more easier for players of today to transition to that level of play, that type of play, I should say. Yeah, I, I just feel like it's such a weird thing to say because like, yeah, whatever, whatever era you want to pick or lean towards, it's like, are we discussing the best players going back in time or coming forward in time? Or are we talking about the league as a whole? Because the league as a whole, it makes either side an automatic no. Because the guys who aren't that good and who are only in the league for maybe athleticism or maybe defense, you know, like, you're not going to be effective in either era. <laughs> you know, if I send you back to the to 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 the the nineties, early two thousands, and it's hand checking going on, and you getting beat up by Dale Davis and all them motherfuckers, all right, you're not all that jumping around, dunking and shit. You can't even get to them type of launch points because you're not getting to the rim. Bye 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 bye, Russell Westbrook. Like if you're somebody like Derek Jones, for example. Who, who who's largely in the league because of his athleticism, because he's all-worldly athletic. Size in terms of height, not in terms of girth. So if I send him back to the 90s, he's not turning into Darius Miles. He's not turning into Jason Richardson because those guys, naturally, their bodies are built different. Now, if I send your guy back to the 90s, Russell Westbrook, Oh, he's going to flourish out there because now all that contact that we see guys that we watch today play the, the deep ways of old, the, the Kobe's, the, the Hardens, the, the Westbrooks, the bronze, they all go to the lane and they get moved around a little bit and they get the foul calls. So I'm thinking if I put those type of guys back there, big bodied guards back there in the nineties, all that hand checking, it's not a one-way street like the, like those guys romanticize it to be. Like, oh, I can just direct you where you want to dribble with the hand check, and you can't have no dictation on where your movements go. No, that's not how it works. Because if you try hand check Braun, you try hand check a nigga like Joe Johnson in the 90s, he's going to be able, he's going to be allowed to give you punishment back to give you physicality back. And the guys today, dare I say, are way more crafty. So yeah, all that hand checking can go, but so far. Them rough and tough fouls can only go, but so far. But it's only for the top tier guys in the league when I feel like we have to have this conversation. Yeah. Because like, <clears throat> Carl Malone comes up to, the, to, to where we're playing now. He's probably a 20 one foot jump shot guy at best literally the post-ups are not really in the league and the most of the post-ups are for the guards and the shot creators and he's neither of those two even though he leads the league in turnovers but you know whatever that's fuck that guy because he's a bad person but i just i it's weird to me because like a guy like paul george for example 610 with guard ability are you going to tell me that 
he's not going to be productive in the in, in the old era? I don't believe that. I mean, bro, Paul George is a mid-range killer. Like he loves that pull-up mid-range jumper. I mean, that he hit Chris Paul with that shit last night. Had him stumbling over his toes again. Sniper. (laughs) I think he would easily be able to train. Like, the versatility of Paul George is what's special about him, about how he can do so many different things on the floor and he can score from anywhere. It just makes him lethal. I mean, and he can play defense when he wants to. I mean, you got to also remember where, like, you want to talk about Paul George, right? You got to remember where he started. Like, I remember those days in Indiana where he was learning from guys like Danny Granger um, and, and David West down there in Indiana. And, I mean, Vogel was the coach back then, too. And he really just just kept growing and growing each and every year. And now he's the player that we see today. But, I mean, you know, we, we love to troll Paul George, but I think playoff P may be back, man. I mean, I know he's the guy who created his own nickname, but he's living up to it right now. And a lot of us, even me and you said he's done bun. He's not going to be able to do it. He's been carrying them. And I mean, obviously the series is still, you know, up for grabs. Uh, it was a tough, tough loss by the Suns last night. Good win by the Clippers, but playoff P may be back, man. See, this is one of those stories and those situations that, like, depending on where you heard me me personally speak, <laughs> you might be like, damn, this guy hates Paul George. When in reality, like since 2013, like I've been a big Paul George fan. I've been trying to, I've been trying to put into existence a Paul George and Dame Lillard partnership since since the rumors were coming out, since Paul George was leaving Indy the first time, I'm like, yo, he needs to call the Lakers. He needs to call Paul. He needs to call somebody. You know, I wanted to see him with somebody. Then he went through, you know, the injury with the in, 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 in FIBA. Yeah. And that was a crazy joint because he was that next out of nowhere star. Like, he was everything. He was on a tra- tra- trajectory to be what Kawhi Leonard turned into. Yes. The out-of-nowhere star takes a small market to the chip, faces LeBron. He did all those things to get to the chip because obviously he lost to LeBron, but you fast forward after he has a leg injury, he comes back, he looks like he's himself, he's in OKC with Russ, they were playing great for a second, and then all of a sudden he needs double surgery on his shoulders. Then we enter the bubble. He plays terrible. You know, he got the, the Gatorade commercials. I call game all that fly shit. Yeah. So now I'm like, yo, bro, like, I know how good you can be. You are a 6'8 at the time wing who grew to be 6'10 as an adult, which don't happen. Yeah. You already got the three-level tools. So it's like, I, I always... I always wanted to be like, damn, like Paul George is really next up. And he always was so close. (laughs) I mean, I feel you on that. Like Paul George was one of the player, one of the first players that I saw like live, like going to a Sixers game, like my man, he was like, we would always go to like Pacers games. And I've obviously seen D Rose play. He was one of the first players I've seen play as well. But seeing like Paul George play, bro, I was like, yo, like he's, 
he's talented. Like at a young age too, playing in Indiana, like he was the guy. And it's just like, you're right. He's always kind of just been on that cusp of, of becoming like, oh, like he's, he's it. Like he's legit. Like he's the guy, he's the guy that we need. And he just hasn't, it's always, as soon as he gets to that point, it's always been an injury that's been hindering him. But I think he's showing us that he's ready. Um, you know, speaking on, since we're talking about Paul George, uh, I guess we can kind of venture off and talk about the Clippers a little bit too. What do you think about Kawhi and kind of how he, like, <clears throat> there was obviously the Mike Green call. Um, of, Kawhi Leonard's going crazy. Kawhi Leonard's going crazy and he's sitting there with a, with a resting bitch face. But it's like, if you're a player, do you feel some type of way that he's like not on the bench or that he's carries himself the way that he, he just doesn't seem like he's energetic for his teammates? Like, I don't know, like from the optics from the outside, it kind of just looks like, bro, like, why are you not on the bench? Like, you could be in street clothes on the bench. Like, I, I get you want to be with your family. I mean, I get it. But are you not with your, like, what's going on here? I don't know. It's just, it's, Optically, it looks weird. See, to me, that's not, I, I feel like that's a terrible question. Why are you on the bench? That's not what I would be asking. Why are you ain't in treatment? That's my question. Because me personally, if I'm see, if I'm a player somewhere and one of our important, if not our most important players is injured, I don't want you anywhere near the games. I want you getting your rehab, getting that 24-hour treatment. But if you do happen to come to the game, I don't know if I really want you to just be around. It's a pandemic, so I'm going to give it a grain of salt. I wouldn't look at Kawhi personally any type of way because it ain't like he's doing nothing out of the blue. This is his MO. I'm hurt. Y'all not going to see me in these places. And I feel like a lot of things that we're seeing now with players, whether it's a big story or a little story, they are dictating their own narrative. And Kawhi Leonard is dictating his own narrative in the sense that the only reports that you hear about him supporting his team are from the announcers or from random small hits in between timeouts and things like that. They're not portrayed on a big face the way it would be if, oh, Kawhi Leonard's on the, on the bench supporting his team, jumping up and down, being engaged in it. Like, who wants to see that? that that's, the, that's the participation trophy. We all get a trophy because the league is over now. Nah, I don't need you there. Those type of people who want to see him just being there and being supportive, I don't really respect your opinions on things about sports and natures like that because him being supportive does nothing for the team. Now, you can say it's a morally upraising thing, but – how do you not know that he didn't bolster their confidence the entire day and a half before via group chat and walkthroughs? Yeah, dude. I mean, I get that. But I mean, it's just the optic. It's like, interesting. It's just optically, it just looks weird because if you had a guy, like you're, you're, you're trying to, first off, this is your first conference finals. So like as an organization, just not having your main star, you know, be, you know, energetic I mean on the bench like just embracing that moment especially him being the cause of that moment like he's the reason why they're there in the first place 
and just not seeing him on the bench and how I don't know how guys in the league would actually take that or how they would feel about it. Um, and would that like change their judgment of who he is and how he carries his business? Because, I mean, everybody carries their business differently and everybody wants to create their own narrative, which, you know, they have every right to do. But just because you decide to create your own narrative doesn't mean everybody has to like it. I don't think anyone has a problem with it on the, on the, on the team. I think the only people who have a problem with it are people who, have, who are watching and looking and commenting on it. Because what if I turn around and say, you know what, I'm going to take the angle of, well, he doesn't want to be a distraction during the game because it's not about him if he's not playing. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a pandemic. I'm going to sit with my family. I could have been at the crib, period. Then it's, why isn't Kawhi Leonard at the stadium? I mean, I, if you know I, I, I think mean? if he's not at the stadium, it's not an issue because then it's I like, okay, not. he's probably getting treatment, like you were saying. Then I mean, it's, who's to say that he didn't come from getting treatment before the game and he's going to get more treatment after the game and he's just sitting in the box chilling? Now, there's so many what ifs because optically it looks bad, but I don't, I think that type of thing is the exact reason why players do certain shit. It's why Dame Lillard cryptically quotes rap music when the predominant media who's following him doesn't even recognize or know that it's rap music. It's when LeBron James tweets out a Drake bar and everyone thinks that he's contemplating retirement and about to do this and do that. It's those type of things you kind of throw off the set. Because it's like, look, if y'all want to be so intrusive and so invasive of my life over a game, I'm going to dictate as much of it as I can. And if it's as simple as me sitting away from the team, y'all right what y'all want. But make sure when you do your research, you release the fact that I'm out here bigging up my teammates on the back end. Literally. That's probably what's going on. And like that's been a thing throughout this whole process. And that's probably why Paul George is averaging 30, 11, and 6 in his last seven. And I guess he's back. He said he's back. He's back. But you (laughs) asked me something. You asked me something earlier. Because we was talking about this a little bit. And it's like, yo, everybody not the next so-and-so. What Benny say? Chill. You don't. You don't want to. Do 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 do. I don't know if you know about the Griselda boy. Are you Griselda? I'm sorry. I've been. I've been Griselda. Were you? Yes. Oh no! I need receipts. Stop, yo! I put you D. Put you on. But it's like, because you said to me what? <laughs> Ever since Stephen A. called Devin Booker Kobe, he been on some bullshit. You still feel that way? Yeah. Well, I mean, Devin Booker folded that last seven minutes of that game last night. But he finished with what? Clippers, game six. Game five, sorry. Game five. He finished with 30. That's cool, bro. But you can't be the next Kobe and not score a bucket in the last seven minutes of the fourth quarter. And your team was up for the uh, for most of the game. Then the Clippers came back and you just let them regain the lead and you ain't never snatched that John back. You couldn't, there was no no more buckets left. That's all, you only had 30 buckets in you. The Kobe, look, 
I was never, I never claimed to be the biggest Kobe fan. But I, the one thing I know about Kobe is he going to shoot that pill. And some of them going to go in. Not all of them, but some of them going to go in. And the mere fact that, I mean, I think he took like three or four shots in the fourth quarter in that last seven minutes. And he, he couldn't hit any of them. Couldn't hit, couldn't, couldn't hit any of them. Couldn't shoot a gun. <laughs> he was shooting blanks. It was bad. Well, <laughs> see, when I think about that, I agree to an extent. But then my question would be like, well, when did he start it? When did he start playing quote unquote bad in this series? And I was, he kicked the series off with a 40 point triple double. I would say the nose. The laceration. The nose game. Was Chris Paul playing in that game? No. But they won that game because he set the screen. Yep. I think the problem with Devin Booker is Chris Paul right now. I don't think I don't. I think the problem with the Suns is Chris Paul right now, and it's not a bad thing. It's not like Chris Paul's blowing it. I'm about to say it's not. It's not. It's no, 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 no. This is this is not a. I'm going to kill Chris Paul. Although I would love. I know you would. I, would I know. To be but I but know. I'm not going to be that guy because it's rude. It's rude. We're talking about a legend here. But it's that thing in sports where if you lose your star player or one of your star players, we saw the Nets do this. James Harden goes out the first 43 seconds. The team rallies in that game specifically. And they walk away with that, General. Everybody steps up because they know mentally we got to step up. We just lost one of our big goals. Right. The Suns start the series off knowing we have to do X, Y, and Z and then X, Y, and Z again to alleviate what we're losing for with Chris Paul not playing. So the first few games we saw the Suns play, they were ripping and running, balls flying around, popping. It's floating to side to side three, four times, which means the defense has to work. 24 seconds, easy open shots, easy open threes. And then Chris Paul comes back, and now that free-flowing, everyone is mentally and subconsciously making sure they're moving the ball. It's almost like you take a step back. You take a sigh of relief. It's like... Whew, all right, we can chill a little bit. We got our leader back. We got our ball handler back. And it's like the pace that they're playing with is now slow. So now those rhythm shots, those Devin Booker knowing he needs to get downhill every time off the screen and roll, that's also his fault that he needs to do that. It's not a Chris Paul thing. But it's that comfortability that you have knowing that you have someone really, really good on your team that's about to come back and stabilize everything. Because the Suns go on them runs when, you know, not to say when Chris Paul's not on the floor, but when campaign's in there and that thing's pop, 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 pop. You know, that 8-0 eight that eight, eight run, 7-0 run changes the game. So I think a little bit of why we're seeing the Suns struggle is they're trying to get used to playing with Chris Paul against this Clippers team. 
who was playing very, very hard and who played zone all game. So I got a question for you. I don't want to talk about nobody else. If the Clippers come back from 3-1, I am going to go crazy on Chris Paul, not because it's going to be his fault, no, but because the theme is going to be in that whole situation is going to be Doc Rivers. Because now it's going to be like, well, damn, Ty Lue looked like Bill Belichick out this drone. Adjustments, schemes, taking out, taking away DeAndre Ayton, forcing the, the Suns to, to play outside in, which is kind of not the thing you would want to do theoretically. But you put a zone out there and now the active guys are non-active. So now I'm looking at Doc like, well, damn, maybe – Maybe Paul George was saying the right shit when he was when he was saying you got him sitting in the corner. I mean, relax, because if we're gonna be completely honest, I'm just saying it's coming. I'm just saying they win that joint. There, people go to lock up. Yeah, for sure. But Tyler should have been been tried to do that. He should have been tried to take away DeAndre Ayton. The mere fact that he's been letting for four games, four games has let DeAndre Ayton look like Joel Embiid out there. It, I, I, I did not understand that because he's not like, and I don't want to take away from DeAndre Hayden because he has elevated his game. He has been playing very, very well. He's been playing elite basketball, but at the same time, he's limited. I disagree. You said what? DeAndre Hayden is limited. He's about to finish the playoffs with the highest field goal percentage ever. But they can give that's you because they've been, they, they haven't found a way to stop him. Why didn't they throw the zone out there earlier is my point. If you throw a zone on Joel Embiid, it's not stopping Joel Embiid. He's, but that's what I'm saying. They were letting him play at that level. Like he was that type of player and he's just not. No, what bro. Do, a, lot of, a lot of his – it wasn't like they were coming out there and posting up DeAndre Ayton. Like they would post – They were running him on the high pick and roll and he was rolling every time and getting the easy lob. They kept running the small yeah. ball lineup yeah. and letting, letting him – Fuck them up in the small ball lineup, right or wrong. You can't do that against a fucking zone, asshole. You can't do it on a zone. What are you talking about? You can't go and dominate the game like DeAndre Ayton has been doing with the zone there because that screen and roll is not there. The roll's not that's there. What I'm saying. Well, I'm, my, that's my point. That's not Ty Lue's fault. Ty Lue had Ty Lue is making the adjustments game by game. The playoffs is a game by game thing. They should have won it before game. Up. They could technically be up right now in the series. Yes or no? They could. A few made free throws, us up. If DeMarcus Cousins guards the ball instead of letting the pass have a free vision and lane to it, they're up in the series. So it's not like they're losing the games. We could get everybody shoulda, coulda, wouldas. No, 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 no. This is a completely these are these are tangible events that have happened that have swayed. It's not like the the Suns are just blowing them out. The adjustments that Ty Lue is making are incredible. But we're going to see what happens now because they if the Clippers win the series, the eyes are going to be on summer. Your backyard will be in a way. The eyes are going to be on Philadelphia in a way that they've never been if the Clippers somehow win the series. Because 
people who we know are going to be comparing what happened to that 3-1 deficit to the Doc Rivers 3-1 deficit. And it's going to be an interesting parallel because now it's like, all right, we need to see if Doc can handle the coaching of next year, and we need to see what you guys are going to do with Ben Simmons. What do you what what do you what what say you, Mister Ben, Mister I am a Sixer Ben Simmons? Well, I mean, we got to move Ben Simmons. It looks like we may not, but I don't know if Dame. If these reports about Dame, you know, you know, want to request a trade from Portland, he wants out. You know, Portland's Zach Collins is refractured his foot. Uh, sources are told the athletic, um, and he's going to be a free agent this offseason. So it's like he's not under contract. They're not tied to him. Maybe they blow it all up because, you know, the whole thought was that it was going to be Dame, Collins, McCullum, and Nurchips. That was their that was their squad. That was their team. That's who they was rolling with. And now that Collins doesn't seem like that's a guy that they're going to reinvest in. Nurchik is just a regular guy. He's a good player, but he's not who they thought he could have been. Um, McCullum seems to be a little shaky. Like there's a lot of uncertainty in Portland. So maybe, you know, Dame wants to leave. And if Dame wants to leave, it's reportedly he wants to go to Dallas, Philly, maybe, you know, so come to Philly. What's up? We'll give you Ben Matisse Thibel, first round pick, second round pick. We'll swap picks. It's whatever. We can do whatever you want. I don't know if I have faith. I don't know if I have faith. I don't have faith either. Like, it just, it would be too good. It just seems too good to be true. Like, there's no way that this happens. I think there is a way it happens. You know why? Because the fucking Portland Trailblazers have a long CVS-style receipt list of fuck-ups within the draft and free agency. Yeah, but like it's this gives me like Russell Wilson leaving Seattle asking for a trade vibes. Like, remember how like that was a story three, four months ago, and then OTA start and he's in his press when he's like, Yeah, well, you know, I never said that. It's like I this is what I see happening. This is what I see uh, you know for coming in the future. Uh, you know, Dame at a press conference saying, yeah, I don't know where those reports came from. You know, I want to be in Portland. My family's here. It's where I started my career. I'm here for life. I mean, that all sounds cute. (laughs) That all sounds good and shit, but like when you the boy who etches your name in an organization's record books in a way that he has, when you win series the way that he has, when you put up double nickels and shit the way that he has, it is on you as an organization to not, I want to say it slowly, to not draft the likes of Nasir Little, Caleb Swanigan, trying to go get Mario Hazonia. Are you kidding me? Those are players that are non-winnables. They are not players that you add to your organizational lunchbox and try to go get a fucking chip. No, not with generational talent on your team. Those are draft picks for the likes of fucking Orlando. (laughs) Cleveland. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Caleb Swanigan might as well have been Anthony Bennett. I mean, but they did draft McCollum. They did draft Simons. Like, they drafted those guys. And Anthony Simons is buried on the bench because Stop, they wouldn't go. No. I mean, he's, he was coming in. That's the reason why they let go of uh, Gary they, Trent. Who? Gary Trent. Yeah, that's why they let go of Gary Trent because they had Simons. Yeah, that's cool. And then they doubled back and went and got Norman Powell. So you're, all I'm seeing is a fucking revolving door of average management. Rip City ain't no corny place. People fuck with Portland. They fuck with the whole Rip City vibes. The athletes Mello do. went out there, so I mean. Something like that. The athletes do. Players. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's a historic town when it comes to people going there and playing ball and all that. And it's just like. I don't got no faith in them that they're going to get the best possible offering for Damian Lillard when he leaves. No. I can a thousand percent see them say, you know what? We'll send Dame to Philly. Just give us uh, give us Maxi Thibault and some picks. We don't even want Ben. That's the type of time that they would be uh, in. There's no way. That's the type. Or they'll go and be like, you know what? We'll take Ben. We'll add a third team. And then they'll move Ben from their team to the third team. That's the type shit that they would do. So I was like, yeah. But if they want picks, if they just want picks, I mean, that's not a necessarily a bad move. If you if you take on Ben just to move him to the third team and you acquire what three first round picks, I mean, that's a for an organization like that who's essentially trying to really just rebuild and and try and especially like in this draft this year, there's a lot. Like it is deep. There are a lot of pro players. Like, I think you can go the whole first round and, and get, like, a pro player and get, like, a starter. Like, a guy who could, like, be on your team and, and, and be a piece, could be a glue guy. Like, that's how deep this draft is. And so if they have three first-round picks for this year's draft and they're able to, you know, acquire Ben and then move him to a third team, I don't necessarily think that's a bad move for them. You know what's funny? So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking. We had a conversation a little bit. I'm like, huh. If I was a team with a bunch of collateral, would I be a dark horse candidate to go get Ben Simmons? Do you know what team I could potentially be talking about? I'm a team with collateral, my nigga. The good type. Talking about the Cavs? Mm-mm. I'm talking about collateral. Collateral? Who would you be referring to? Not the Magic, because the Magic don't have enough. So, like, say I just like say you the Sixers, and I call you, and I'm like, "Yo, I want Ben Simmons. I'll give you the seventh pick and Andrew Wiggins and some other shit." Do you take that, or do you, or do you say I'll call you back and say, you know what, give me seven and fourteen and a player, y'all can have Ben, Maxi and Thibel. Fuck it. I would get Maxi because then you could turn around and go get Davion Mitchell at seven. 
have you a dynamic guard because y'all need that type of shit. I was even thinking like, I take that, I'll take seven and 14 and a player and I fuck around and parlay that into, give me Dane, give me Brad Beal. Give me whomever. So y'all in a good spot, but the best spot to be right now, I feel like is the Warriors because like they have that rare thing where you can actually blow your picks and it not matter since that move them out or, or keep them it did not matter you know like you're not you wouldn't be stuck in a, in a crazy rebuild like the jazz are about to be in and i feel like you keep saying this man and i i just don't know i i i just don't know if they're gonna blow it up i don't i don't see them blowing it up i just don't see it i I can't fathom it. And I get it, you know, Mike Conley, old, can't really stay healthy anymore. They tried it. Um, that is the type of guard that they needed. They needed an, uh, a scoring point guard to to kind of sit alongside um, Donovan Mitchell. But I don't know if I see them blowing it up. Utah's the type, it's a small market team. They're not just going to, they, I mean, not Davion Mitchell, but Donovan Mitchell, is their guy. He's their centerpiece. They, they put a, they've invested a lot into him. I don't see them trying to move him right now. I just, I think it's way too early in his career. <sighs> Young whippersnapper. So if I ask you, are you giving yourself a frugal person? Uh, I guess. Yeah, maybe. You don't just go out and just drop a bunch of a, a big bag of some shit. That no, you just, but I mean, you know, I spend some bread, you know. I mean, I'll have moments where I wanna, when I wanna. Yeah, but you're not, yeah, but you're not like. Bag. Like, do you think that the Jazz are going to be able to afford this team that they have right now? I mean, that's a very interesting question, and I think that's the only situation where like your statement has some type of validity to it because when money is involved and you got to pay Rudy Gobert, even though like technically you shouldn't have to pay him, but when they, when the league keeps throwing him defensive player of the year awards and you prop him up also to be this great player, you kind of force your hand there to where you have to pay a guy like that or he's going to walk. Um, and then you got what? What? 38, 41, 43. Do, 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 do. That's the contract money for that guy over the next three years 38 million, 41 million, 41 million, 43 million, 46 million. Rudy? Rudy Gobert. That alone tells me that shit's a fucking wrap. But who's taking on a Rudy Gobert contract? The Jazz are going to have to make a decision on one, who they keep, and two, if they can find a way to attract people to keep the guy that they happen to draft. Because he happens to be from New York, and New York is the hottest thing on the market right now. And I was listening to the Hoop Collective today. You know, shout out Wendy and the guys. 
And he's like, man, look, D-Wade worried. D, D worried that Don Mitchell might not even try to come back to, to the Jazz long term. And that right there tells me all I need to know. Well. That's all mean, I need to know. I mean, if D-Wade's actually worried, if that's true what Wendy said, I mean, that may be bad. You said it yourself, though, bro. You painted it up for me. Small market, big decisions coming. Sounds like something's about to pop off. So I don't know if Dame's going to move first. I don't know if it's going to be Don Mitchell going first. I don't know if it's going to be Ben Simmons. What is that like? A, is that a just one last question? Like, would that shift the NBA? If Donovan oh. Mitchell and Damian Lillard go to two Eastern Conference teams, doesn't that shift the league drastically? Doesn't that shift the conferences drastically? Yeah, it does. <laughs> because now the East, now the West has the, not the aging stars, but it's like the Lakers with the older older experienced top tier players and you got teams like the jazz not the jazz but the grizzlies and teams like that who are young and up and coming but then you look in the east and it's like okay we got kd kyrie harden we got mb probably dame and whomever don mitchell might end up somewhere someone else might come over there so it's like what you got the clippers jimmy butler yeah that's what i'm saying Giannis. we even talk about Giannis. I'm gonna give him some respect. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the it's the Hawks. So I mean, he should. I mean, what the fuck does that mean to you? Them niggas got up in y'all <laughs> heavily. Fuck you. I'm just saying. No, yeah, I'm just saying too. Is I, is I fight, and I'm. Oh, down- I, I need I need a receipt on that. I need a receipt on I'm that. Down the mix. What's up? No, I need a receipt on that because I don't I don't know if you I don't know if that's really a thing that you do. Okay. You mean? Believe what you want. Let's see what you brother. Really get into it because, like, you're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> I mean, it's going to look like you trying to get over a hurdle or something, and then boom, you fall. Done. Game over. Stop, stop, chill. Somebody almost did fall in the 100 hurdles in the Olympic trials. Not the goat. Not the, not the young baby goat. No, not the goat, man. Not the goat. The goat handled her business. Sydney McLaughlin. I just hate that she's from Jersey. I get it though. I hate that she's from Jersey, and I've been seeing all this Jersey love. Like Delaware or something. Carl Anthony Towns giving her shout outs. And it's like, oh my god! But we got to give that queen her flowers, man. She clocked yeah. in at under fifty-two seconds. No woman has ever run the four hundred meter hurdles in under fifty-two seconds. She ran fifty-one nine. Um, she ran, a, that was a PR for her, obviously. She beat uh, the last Olympic gold medalist, um, Muhammad. Uh, she beat her in uh, that final in the Olympic trials this past weekend. That was a very historical moment. Like, bro, I don't know if you saw that, but like the, like the way that she won that race, the crazy part is I saw the, I saw the, tr- uh, the semis of, um, of the trials and the 400 meter hurdles. And I saw Sydney run, and she was coasting the last 50 meters. I said, and she ran 53, I think, uh, as she was coasting through. And I'm watching her coast. I'm like, yeah, she about to break the record. 
<laughs> like you don't coast the last 50 meters of a race like that and clock in at 53 like that that time frame that's that's a big time frame to really like especially if you're going your full speed and you're keeping your full full speed throughout that race like that can cut down at like a second and a half so it's just I was just like yo she's about to break the record at the final I caught it and people tweeting me like chill like don't forget about Mohammed like She's still the reigning champ. She still got her Olympic medal, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I know, I know, but that girl Sydney is different, bro. Like, I've been hearing about her since I was in high school. Like, I don't know if you saw it, bro, but it was crazy. Crazy to see. No, I saw it because, like, I mean, we're probably two people who fuck with the track. Literally. Like, track is like a thing. You mean? Like, so I saw it, I'm like, she is flying, <laughs> flying out that drawer. And that ain't even the best thing that I saw. Because it made me take a step back. So I'm like, damn. That's another black queen doing her thing. That took another step back. And I said, oh, they got, what is this? I happened to, happen to stumble into a, a Raven Saunders highlight. Really? Shot put queen. Green hair in a grill. Swaggy. What you know about Raven? Big swag. 1916. <laughs> 19.16 if you if you're not following me. <laughs> Only one throw. Qualified. So I'm looking, I'm like, damn. <laughs> if I was from New York, I'm gonna say something like, yo, the Olympics about to be mad ethnic, son. Like they about to be. <laughs> There's probably going to be black women specifically dominating the Olympics at a rate that we haven't seen. It's going to be all a bunch of tweets coming out. Like, this is the most African-American people who have won gold medals in all the time. And blah, 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 blah. They're like, yeah, that's, I guess we can celebrate a first like that, even though it shouldn't have been a first in the first place, but sure. Fuck it. It's our time now. I mean, even, I mean, even you, you want to talk about greatness, especially black women, you want to talk about the 19-year-old, a thing Mo. She ran the second fastest woman time in the 800 meter hurdles in US history. I mean, in the 800 meters in US history. And she just turned pro a month ago. See Not that? A month ago, I'm sorry. Two weeks ago, she just turned pro. She was running at Texas A&M, ran two weeks before this Olympic trials, at nationals, the collegiate nationals, which is also in Eugene, Oregon, won that, ran, ran one of the fastest times, broke the record, um, broke the collegiate record. And now, in, two, in, in, in the two weeks following, those Olympic trials runs the fastest time, runs the second fastest time in women's history. That just says- That's a month span, bro? Yeah, a bro. A Bro, that, just, that, that just says to me that like we are in a time of like athletic evolution that I don't even think people are beginning to grasp. Like I've, I'm seeing videos of high school girls jumping off of two feet, cocking back, dunking the ball calmly. We're seeing children challenge records of the likes of Usain Bolt and we're seeing literally we're seeing people who shouldn't be running, like Miss Felix, 
allegedly shouldn't be running. Doing her thing, C-section and all. Look, I can have it. You can have it all. Literally. 6'10", Paul George doing his thing, even though they might lose a series. Like, we're seeing an athletic evolution that, like, we're going to look back on in a few years and be like, yo, that's when the athlete changed again. And it's going to be wild to see. Because, like, I mean, there was a debate. Who's Can a football player be the GOAT? Niggas saying no because they only play one side. It's like NFL got different type of problems. Like they don't even, they don't even respect their own. They don't. And that's something you showed me. I mean, yeah. So I mean, I was, I mean, I used to be on social media just scrolling, and I saw this quote from uh, from Greg Olson on tight ends um, and the respect that they receive. Uh, so he goes along to say. We have to do the same shit that the $15 million left tackle has to do and run route against the same guy that the $15 million wide receiver has to run uh, has to run route, uh, routes against. And they're going to pay us just $7 million? And it, like, it comes back. Like, this has been a conversation. Like, this isn't even a new thing because this was a big thing when Jimmy Graham was with the Packers and he was looking for his money. I mean, even before when he was with the Packers, when he was with the Saints, and he was like, he was like, look, I'm out here on the outside. I'm running these wide receiver routes. Y'all gonna have to pay me. Y'all ain't gonna pay me like no tight end. And it's like we're this is these last five years has been the evolution of the tight end position. It's been so important and 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 has been a main priority for offenses to grab like legit tight ends like. You want to talk about how the evolution has changed before tight ends were just, you know, guys out there to block and occasionally they'll leak out in the red zone uh, for, you know, a little, you know, drag route or something like that. But you got Chad Lewis, Chad Lewis, Chad Lewis, Brent Seller. Broke I broke my foot. You ain't break your foot. I broke my foot. <laughs> You're absolutely right. But now you got teams like, the Cleveland Browns who have a guy in Hooper and they got Austin Hooper and uh, don't, they, don't they have Njoku as well? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they and they traded for Hooper. Like they, they traded to get Austin Hooper from the Falcons. So it's just been a different, we, we view tight ends in a different light and they've been way more valuable to NFL teams and look, Greg Olson's right. They're doing two things for one, and they should be paid as such. There's no reason why these guys should be only making seven mil. I don't get – to me, I don't even understand I, – I, I get it, but I don't understand, like, why certain positions make certain money. But if a guy is important to you, pay him his bread. If he is a focal point to your team, pay him his bread. It's just that plain and simple. It's really not a hard concept, especially when, like – we're in this age where people can like quote unquote tangibly feel the value of players off of analytics and all this wild shit. And it's like, bro, at the end of the day, there aren't that many Brent Selleck's and shit like that running around. It's a whole bunch of Travis Kelsey's and George Kittles and ex Jimmy Graham's and Rob Gronkowski's and Jonu Smith's and Irv Smith's and niggas who are just, physically different Delaney Walkers like 
Darren Waller. No, my man Brent Selly carried it though. Don't. No, no, no. Yeah, but though, like he's not like those guys. I mean, he is. He, he is, but he isn't, bro. He's like not he, the receiving threat that they are, and they're not the blocking force that he is. Right, so now you have this hybrid position that is getting paid Stone Age money, and you can't have it like that. I mean, yeah, but to your point though, Brent Selick was probably one of the first tight ends to really be that, like, that dual threat, like him, Antonio Gates, um, Delaney Walker, like you were saying. You got Tony Gonzalez and those guys, but, though, like, it was only a few back then. And okay. now we have – now we have even if they're not good, like, like, Irv Smith doesn't play that much. He's not that good, you know. He's – he's – Darren Waller is everything that he should have been. And Darren Waller is now a top tier tight end because you know he just popped out of nowhere. But you have these athletes that you're lining up in these positions, Mo Ali Coxes and shit like that. And it's like you got to give them they just do eventually because you're scheming to get these guys ten touches a game. You're scheming to get Travis Kelsey to get the ball ten times. Why is that? Oh, because you can't put safeties on them because they're too small. You can't put linebackers on them because they're too slow. So now what? <laughs> Sounds like at the end of the day, you need to pay them their bread. <laughs> it's, plain cool. simple. it's plain and simple. It's not a hard concept to, to grasp. It's not, it's not a hard concept. It ain't like I'm telling you, yo, go out there and guard Giannis. Good fucking luck. And I don't even like boy like that. At all, but... Before we close this journal, let's get our yay off, man. Cause I know me, I, I saw this, I saw this last night and I couldn't wait to talk to you about it because I knew, I know that you was gonna just have the same feeling that I feel of just like, can we just, it's just like, it, it's like Coach Boone, right? Let the boys play. <laughs> Let the boys play. Talk about the Chris Paul, the Chris Paul, uh, Pat Bev play. That one. But more, but then also the Crowder play. And I know you don't like Crowder, but yeah, the Crowder play on Paul George. It's on my list. Yes, last night. That's not a that's not a flagrant foul. That is not a flagrant foul. And it, it, we have to get to the point where, like, we have to understand the game, right? We got to understand things that are just natural movements in the game. And like that book of what natural movements are has to expand because the fact of it was a clear contest and he accidentally hits him in the face and they call that a flagrant one is outrageous. And the commentator is talking about, yeah, man, this late in the game, um, that's definitely something that you do on purpose. Huh? How? If I'm clearly just contesting the guy that's made 10 straight buckets for this team. What do you mean? I'm clearly trying to contest and do as much as I can. They're getting me on the on the switch, and he's cooking me. He already didn't hit a step back once. Nah, bro. Like <laughs> he has he crossed me already and got to the got to the cup and laid me. I'm doing everything that I can to try and stop this man. Like, come on. This is what I be saying when like understanding the game and understanding certain things that come with the game. Like when you play football, you understand that, yo, at any given time, I can get my fucking head knocked off in this drill. Literally. But I'm a play. But I'm also, as a player, I'm going to be sure I'm going to be safe 
I know what's not safe on the field, regardless of what the fuck the, the rule book says. Facts, facts, facts. So I'm going to make sure, yo, if, if it's me hitting you in your head, me hitting you in your leg, I'm going to try my best to just hit you in your leg because, yeah, you might end your career, but you're not going to have adverse effects to your brain. So you got to... Like, those are things that just naturally come with the game. If I'm contesting you, you are taught, look, I'm going to obstruct his line of vision. So I can't contest his release point because they're pros. God forbid I tap him a little bit while natural movement is occurring. We're both in the air and things like that are happening. No, I'm not hearing it. I'm not hearing it. I can, like, I understand the Pat Bev play. Yeah, I get that play. I get it. But even that play is like, yo, y'all making it a a flagrant because of the reputation of Pat Beverly more so than the actual action. Because y'all ain't calling no flagrant when Kyrie got hurt. Here you go. I'm just saying. It's the same concept. No, no. They called a foul. They called all types of shit. He went underneath him. One was way more dangerous than the other. Yes. Thank you. Yes, but the end result is still the same. So it's that it's that inconsistency that now we see, and it's like, yo, y'all turning the game soft now because everything is a review. Everything is, can we determine intent? And it's like, bro, if I'm winding up to try to hit the ball, I'm not winding up to try to hit the ball and maybe hit somebody's head. I'm just going to hit the fucking ball. If I miss, I miss. Right. Not all that shit is, is going to should be turned into a review in a goddamn flake. Because you're, you're blowing the game now. Definitely. And, but, I mean, I, to give the NBA some credit, though, at least they are trying to, you They're know, trying. rule of the foul and um, kind of stop that Trey Young stop and pop uh, foul that gets called every single time. Um, especially, I mean, James Harden also gets it as well. Uh, they no, no, no. It, it's it's the Harden rules. We get it. It's going to change and like Harden Young rule. <sighs> you know. Yeah, hard. I mean, I'm surprised that they're trying to outlaw that before they tried to outlaw the Chris Paul foul. Because to me, it's like, right, like what what's the difference? They're both initiating contact. They're both clearly going out of their way to draw. The but they may, I mean, but those are along the same lines, though. So it may. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's probably going to be one big umbrella. Yeah. But it's just like. Why are y'all doing this? Because I think it's now gotten to the point where it's like, all right, this is egregious. And they've seen in the playoffs where, like, okay, guys like that are still getting their regular season fouls, and then you got bigs who are doing the same thing they were doing all year and aren't getting what they used to get because it's the playoffs now. So they kind of have to even the playing field, and it was blatant this playoffs. So they have to they, – they had they had to – Look within themselves and be like, all right, yo, we gotta, we gotta. You know what that sounds like to me? Sounds like you need a new refereeing crew, and those guys need to have accountability. I need to hear a motherfucking press conference from them. Why they call? I need a two minute report press conference from here on out. If y'all gonna release the press, the the, the two minute two minute report, give me a press conference. Explain to me through the eyes of the referee what you saw and why you called what you called. I would love that. Can we champion for that? Can that because can like. Thing. It needs to be a thing because it, it, one, it'll give insight to a lot of the stupid ass people who think everything is this or that. And two, you can live with the fact as a fan. All right, I see why you called that. Right. 
as opposed to, damn, Joel got hit in his mitt and you out here giving Trey Young a foul and a floater. Nah, nah. But it will cause a lot of controversy because I think – Scott Foster, get the fuck out of here. Yes. Sorry. Referees are also going to have to explain, you know, there's obviously – there's makeup costs. Like, refs do it. It's yeah. a, it's an unwritten thing. That's why you have to explain that. That's why you constricted to the two-minute report. That's all. That's fair. Okay. That's That's fair. You say the refs that way by putting them in a two-minute report. That's okay. okay. Report to me at a press conference the two-minute report if there was some sketchy shit going on or things that got overturned. That's all. Otherwise, don't need to hear from you guys. Okay. I think that's I think that's realistic. Somebody write that down. Somebody send a hey, we we're gonna type something up. Stenographer will we'll draft it. We'll draft it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. TBD on the bottom. Ooh, woo woo. Ooh, woo woo. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Fuck this. What more can I say?